You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast. I'm John Stonge, and today we have a special guest with us. We have Chap Bettis with us. He's the author of The Disciple-Making Parent, and you can find out more about him and his ministry if you go to the disciplemakingparent.com. And Chap, first of all, I'm going to tell people in just a second how we met, but first of all, welcome to the Dwell on These Things podcast. Thanks. It's a joy to be with you. Well, I'm glad to have you here with us as well. And uh, Chap, I'm going to just confess something to you here. I know you'll show me grace as I confess this, but uh, several months ago, my uh, one of my wife's coworkers was uh, getting married. Actually, technically, they were already married, but they were having a public ceremony because their marriage took place during a time where you really couldn't have a public ceremony. And so that was fine. So they had that. And uh, my wife said, hey, we've got a wedding. And I had just come back from one trip and was just about to go to another one. And I looked at her and I have to admit that I wasn't super thrilled about having to spend half a day going to a wedding. That doesn't sound very spiritual, does it, chap? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, true confessions. True confessions. Even though we had it was a lovely time, it was just one of those things where you just kind of have to get motivated to get out of the house. And like, I I was just tired. All right. So I I just wanted to sit down and, uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to have a good time. And the truth is it was lovely. The entire time it was lovely. We had a wonderful time, but I always wonder who they're going to seat us next to when we go to some of these events and we get to the dinner portion of, uh, of the evening. And uh, they sat me down right next to Chap. And so Chap and I are striking up a conversation. And I found out a few things about him. And he found out a few things about me. And what we discovered is that we pretty much have a, a very, very similar set of interests when it comes to writing and recording and ministry and things like that. So that was very entertaining. And we just spent a very long time talking with each other that evening and struck up a friendship. And I've been looking forward for the past couple months to, to having Chap here on the uh, podcast. And so, Chap, it's exciting to have you here. I'm going to step out of the way here because I want you to tell our, our listeners a little bit more about yourself, a little bit about your background. Tell us some of the things that you're working on. Well, um, yeah, thanks, John. The, as, we, as we talked on that, on that uh, wedding reception and found out we had more and more and more in common, uh, about halfway through, I, as we're getting to know each other, I leaned over to my wife and said, uh, honey, I'm not going to talk to you at all. I'll talk to you in 45 minutes because I, I, w- I want to get to know this guy next to us. Um, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> I grew up in a Christian home in the South and um, uh, came up to New England and um, there pl- helped um Got recommitted my life to Christ, uh, got a vision for the church, the local church as part of God's as, as God's plan and the need of New England. And so I ended up ended up helping plant and pastor a church uh, for 25 years. But along the way, um, uh, you know, I had a bumpy transition from a child's faith to an adult faith. And so when God blessed me with my wife and we started having our children, I remember thinking, I want a playbook. I want to be intentional about passing the gospel to them. Uh, you know, you can hear about statistics uh, 
um, that up to 50% of kids who grew up in a Christian home walk away. And uh, ultimately, I don't know if those statistics are right or not. I just know that God gave me four children and I want those four children to walk with the Lord. And so what, what was I trying to do? And so when my uh, oldest was about six, I just wrote, wrote down sort of a playbook. Here's the things I'm going to aim at. Here's the things I'm going to try. And then over the years, added to that playbook, some things saying, okay, different emphases. Um, and so along the way, just write, doing some writing. And then, then eight years ago, uh, after pastoring that church, uh, God changed my heart to pursue uh, this ministry full time. And so I stepped out in faith. And um, yeah, we, we now lead a ministry called The Disciple Making Parent, the, the book by that same name. Uh, came out in uh, 2016 and has had uh, some some people say some kind things about it. So, yeah, that's what I do. That's what I do full time. And my heart is really to um, uh, equip parents uh, to pass the gospel to their kids. And since then, I've got some other resources as well. We can we can talk about those. Um, or those are also on the website, other parenting resources. But really, my heart is to help parents pass the gospel to their kids. So what what are some of the major struggles that you notice that that parents are encountering when they're in t- when they're attempting to disciple their children because that's not an automatic task for for most of us I think uh especially if we didn't necessarily grow up in a context where that was modeled for us I think we can really wonder all right what does this look like what am I supposed to do uh how do I approach this so so what are some of those struggles that you're noticing that parents te- uh, seem to wrestle with as they're attempting to do that well, I think one one you hit on, which is not knowing exactly what to do. So on the one hand, making it too hard, like, uh, oh, I've got to do these these 14, 20 things to to uh, to disciple my children um, and are on the other hand, freezing because it seems it seems like I don't really know what to do. You know, if you look at, at the life of Jesus, when he made disciples or he uh, gave himself to those 12 men it was as part of life. So he would, he would go to a wedding, he would make disciples, he would teach the crowds, he would make disciples. And so it was, was integrated um, really into his, uh, into his whole ministry that he's thinking about how am I going to pass the gospel um, to, to my kids? So that's, I think that's one barrier. Another barrier um, is uh, parents who were, were tugged by fears, fears that, my child's going to fall behind. Um, and so I'm going to make all sorts of choices to keep up with the Joneses. Um, and all those things are good things. We want our best for the, for, for our kids. But the question is, um, what is best? And ultimately it's the gospel. It's, it's following Christ. And so we're surrounded though by people, um, who are, are, pushing their kids even further. And one of the things I say in the book is every parent has got to decide, am I more uh, interested? Am I more concerned that my children get into heaven or Harvard? And we all have those, we we all have those Harvards, those worldly successes. And in third John four, John says about his spiritual children, but it certainly applies um, to our physical children. I have no greater joy than to, and to see that my children are walking in the truth. And so, so first of all, it's settling that in our heart uh, and, then, and then figuring out how, um, how do I do that at home. And then related to that is, is 
feeling often a third barrier is just feeling like my children see the worst of me at home. And so I'm not a very good disciple and I'm not a good, very good follower of Christ. And um, how do I even pass on, um, you know, pass, pass that on. So, so all three of those I think are, are barriers to parents. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, uh, and whether we admit those things to ourselves or, or not, these are the type of things I think we're all struggling with to one degree or another. You and I have a, a similarity in that, uh, we both have four children. So the Lord blessed my wife and I with four children as well. And one of the things that has amazed me through the years of, of being a dad is just how different those kids are. And I, I think to myself, here you have four children that have grown up with the same two parents in the same house, eating the same foods, listening to the same music, you know, li- li- living in the same community, and yet they're all so different from each other. And uh, I think sometimes just the the process of discipleship having, um, uh, I guess maybe what I'm looking at is taking some of those personalities into account is probably something that you've thought a lot about as well. Could you speak to that as well? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like on one hand, um, my wife and I tried to practice what, what she called delight directed study. So we're studying, we're looking at the kids and we're saying, okay, what, what are they good at? What do they enjoy? What are their natural motivated patterns? And then on the other hand, uh, I have a saying in one of my the, the materials, the personality is not destiny. So some of that's also pressing against that personality in some way, um, in some ways. But I think I, I think as we're um, we're looking at their unique bents, unique callings, we we realize that they're if they're following the Lord, that that's going to come out differently, that they're going to have different um, burdens, different strengths. Um, so those are I would say I mean I remember when, here's an example we tried to do family devotions and we've got. Uh, you know, you, you get the, the wiggles when the kids are little and we've got we've got one child who um, if we let her draw, she would have no idea what we were saying <laughs> at the end. It was totally distracting. I know my other son, though, that that actually the drawing. Uh, I think we let him when he was little play with cars. He was listening. So, I mean, there, there's an example of where you're both saying as a group, we're doing this. And yet I'm looking with wisdom at different unique differences of each of each, you know, each child. Yeah, that's and it's fascinating how uh, and your words here kind of remind me of this, too, how we really need to rely on the Lord for the wisdom that he supplies when we're trying to disciple the children that that he blesses us with. And I think that that's definitely an application of that. And speaking of of the concept of wisdom. One of the things that I, I hear from a lot of parents that they really struggle with right now in this generation, this information age, we'll call it, uh, is just the influences that their children are surrounded with and the influences that at times can creep into their home. And I wonder, uh, what are some of your thoughts on what influences to allow in, how to filter that, what to encourage the, the children to avoid? What, what are some of your thoughts related to just those influences that so often can be uh, uh, really powerful in the life of a child? Oh man! So we're not starting with the easy questions. We're going right to the uh, right to the tough tough right ones. Right to the um, crux. Oh <laughs> uh, man! Well, I think um, so. I but before I talk about media, 
I, I also I think of like the hidden foundations um, before you're going to build the superstructure of media thoughts. But I, I, I do believe I think of parenting as authority and affection, meaning uh, I as a parent have a right and, and a duty to practice my authority. Children are told to obey me. Um, I'm to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So I need to exercise that authority. I need to exercise proper control. And contrary to what Rousseau tells us, I will not ruin them if I set limits um, to their to their life. Um, and the, the way that that authority keeps from being authoritarian is there's also affection. So my, my home is fi- filled with joy. My kids know I love them. Um, there's fun. So so on that uh, foundation of authority and affection, then the question comes, how, how do we how do we deal with the media? And I think I think we want to disciple our children and that changes over time. So when they're young, I think they need to be protected. And again, in this day and age, being young uh, has has changes because there's all these influences out there. There's often there's now some influence from public school in the in the you know grammar um, in the the younger grades. And so, but at a at an early age, it needs to be one of protection. Later on, we want to disciple them to use these devices. Um, so, w- given that idea, the idea of opening up the funnel tight when they're young loosening up when they're they're old um i think just some things like um we're the, principles principles like uh I, I said it this way my children did not own a cell phone until they were 18 i however owned six at one time meaning <laughs> uh meaning they are mine and now i am lending them to you um and so therefore it's not a big deal if i go into my device um, if I know the passwords to my device that I'm loaning you. Um, so, so it starts, you know, with ownership in the sense it's mine. Um, it, and I mean that in a positive way. I just, um, saw where Shaq O'Neal said to his kids, uh, you're not rich. I am rich, but you are very, very poor. And so, um, you know, just, just that idea of I'm lending this, I want you to learn to disciple you in this. Um, so that's one idea related to media, all sorts of controls, and that's not based because they're teens, that's because they're human. So I have covenant eyes on my phone. Why? I'm, a, I'm an adult man, but, but I'm human. And so we're going to put controls, not because you are teens. Um, we can talk about this, but we, we actually called, called our kids adult in training. We talked about the teen years as adult in training years rather than the teen years. But not because you're teens, but because you're human, you're becoming more aware. And then I think thirdly, uh, having, having, being, um, opening that funnel very, very slowly, way behind the rest of the world. Um, I've talked to some youth leaders who can point to the, um, amount of anxiety in, um, in teenage girls and it, it, correlates exactly with Instagram becoming more popular. And so we just, we protect our kids from this, um, protect ourselves even from that as well. And I think a fourth thing, and I really don't think any of these are too early to start. I just did a seminar this past weekend and was arguing for parents of young children. You need to get your media strategy um, 
down in your head because it's much easier to open the funnel than it is to close it if you've, mm -hmm. if you've let out too much. And I think the, the fourth thing I would say is finding in the church um, a cohort of parents who think like you do because uh, in that community, because when your kids are older and are teens and they can see the messiness of your family, then, you know, they're, they're, they're going to think you're crazy. I, I thought my parents were, you know, <laughs> you know, and that's okay. Um, that's part, that's why we get paid the big bucks as parents to say no and have them not like us at points, but to be able to say, well, you think we're crazy. And also, do you realize that also this family, this family, this family, they have very similar rules, you know, that, that we do. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're all doing this because we think this is wise with this incredibly powerful um, device. I, I've heard someone say that uh, just as the year uh, of, of um, the creation um, of the Gutenberg Press is just a, a, a constant, we, we, it, you, you should know it if you know history. Similarly, the introduction of the iPhone will be similar where that just a, 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 a change, an incredible change <clears throat> um, that affects everything. And so it really we, we got to manage that as parents. Oh, yeah. No, it absolutely does. One of the things that I've, <laughs> I was actually just talking about with uh, my son yesterday, uh, one of my sons, uh, this is uh, a conversation I had with my 17-year-old son. He's a senior in high school. And uh, he he came down here to my office last night for no other reason other than the fact that he just felt like talking for a while. And he admitted that. He said, yeah, I, I probably should go to bed. I just feel like chatting for a while. I was like, yeah, let's chat. And so we were just chatting about our day. And uh, during the course of the day, he, he's gotten pretty good with carpentry. And uh, a uh, home in the community hired him to make some shutters on their home. And in fact, their their whole home, they had him make custom shutters. So it was a big project and he's been exhausted with it, but also really enjoying it. And we started talking about the fact that he had one part of the project that he he thought, boy, it'd be nice if I had one of my my friends here to hold this ladder for me or or just something like that. And he, he said how challenging it was to find somebody that was that would come and do something like that. And we, it led to a discussion where we were talking about how many of his friends don't have hobbies the way that I used to think of someone that age having a hobby. And we were talking about the fact that so much of their time is spent staring at a screen. I said, so these are kids that are growing up and basically they know how to do two things. They, they know how to use their phone and, and, and put on makeup, you know? And I, and I, I thought, is this it? Like, this is, this is what they know how to do. Like they use their phone and put on makeup, nothing else. And maybe a dance they learned on TikTok or something like that. And he said, yeah, basically. And uh, and that concerns me. And that's a that's a societal thing. That's not something that one household can necessarily change the world. But at, at the same time, we as believing parents, I think it's important for us to kind of take a, a big picture, look at some of these things and and say, all right, what what kind of influence do I want to allow to shape my children and what are we going to model for them? And so it sounds like you're experiencing a lot of that as well in your conversations and in your, your seminars. Yeah, and I you hit on you hit on something there. So there's there's the con there's the there's the amount of the media use, and then there's actually the content. Mm -hmm. So both of those I think are concerns at, for at Christian parents as to how to how do we uh, help them control, and we can do this by just controlling it ourselves. 
the amount of content, um, you know, so I, I know uh, parents who are just like everybody put their cell phones, you know, in the middle of in, in the middle of the, this uh, basket when you come into our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done something similar like that with adult children uh, on vacation. We've had, you know, we've had phone time. And then non-phone time. It's just like we're we're here to enjoy each other. So and and so you've got actually you've got sort of um, subversive content, but but some of the problem is just the fact that it's always around, and it's it's teaching our kids different skills. It's training their brain, and it's what it's as you, as you talked about it. We have a uh, you know a connected, never more connected, never more isolated young people. Um, it's ironic, so isn't it? <laughs> teach them just basic, you know, basic skills. So, yeah, and we need to be the adults and related as long as we're preaching here. You know, that means we as parents also need to be controlled as well with the with the same. You're absolutely right. With our same devices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually I read somewhere that that was actually a, com- a new a complaint of young people that their parents were always on their phone or looking at their phone. I um, believe it 100 so, yeah. percent. Yeah, I always think it's interesting, you know, when you're watching um, when you're watching football or when you're or, or something like that, and then they pan out to the audience and they'll 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 put the the the, uh, the camera on one particular person, and here it is their moment on national TV, and they're staring at their phone. They have no idea yeah. they're on national TV. They're staring at their yeah. phone. Yeah. I thought, well, that that yeah. was your moment. You you paid to go to this professional football game, and now you made it to national TV, and instead of watching the game or enjoying that moment, you are staring at your phone. Yeah. It's, it's an epidemic, yeah. not just among kids. It's something we do as well. And, you know, I have to admit, I mean, that's, that's an area that I have to watch. That's, I wouldn't say it's automatic to not look at it. And it, I mean, who goes anywhere without their phone? You know, I recently, uh, uh, heard from a guy who said, yeah, I'm purposely spending a day without my phone with me. He purposely spent a day without taking his phone with him. And he said it, it it's it tends to be we're so used to it that it it becomes an inconvenience not to have it and very very hard to pull yourself away from it yeah yeah although having said that i was going to a retreat this past week and i thought i don't have to worry about being lost because (laughs) i do appreciate you know the gps capabilities right the gps yeah. yeah So something that I know you talk about in uh, in your writing and in your teaching that I think concerns a lot of Christian parents is this thought of, will my child be following Christ for the long term? Will my child be somebody that emerges from their teenage years into adulthood and then young adulthood and then into the next seasons of their life being a fully devoted follower of Christ? Or will they be someone who just walks away from the faith and demonstrates that maybe they never really believed to begin with or or never really took their faith all that seriously? What would you say to somebody if they're listening right now, and that's really a burden on their heart, and that's something they're really struggling with, and and uh, maybe they're noticing that with uh, with one or more of their children, what encouragement can you give them? What advice could you give them? And, and maybe even uh, tailor some of the advice to someone who has children at a younger season as well. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me let me start with the younger, maybe, and go older. And um, I would I would say that you know our goal is to be faithful not successful. And by that, uh, <clears throat> I mean that if I quote successfully raised them to follow Christ, then who gets the glory? I do because I did everything right. Hmm. And that, of course, is not true. Our children's salvation is by grace 
not by works, not by their works and not by my works. I cannot get the environment good enough. Uh, I cannot have the, the perfect conversations. Um, you know, what did, what did God do wrong so that Adam and Eve turned their back on him? Nothing. So our kids, our children come to us with sin on their hard drive. So our, our job is to be, our job is to be faithful. Um, and I would say that's the goal <clears throat> to be able to at whatever 21 to say, I certainly wasn't perfect, but as far as I could tell, I was faithful in living out the gospel, presenting the gospel to you. I think a uh, second related to that also is realizing, uh, <clears throat> realizing what second generation Christians go through. Um, so Second uh, Timothy three fourteen says, "As for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of." And Timothy grew up in a in a believing home. It was, certainly was not a perfect home. His father was not a believer, but he saw the living faith in his mother and grandmother. But what's interesting about that passage um, is Paul uses the word uh, "what you've learned and become convinced of," and so. When I when I'll present uh, in, to parents and I'll ask them, I'll say, raise raise your hand if you grew up in a, a believing home. And, and so some percentage will raise their hand. And I said, now, keep your hands up. Keep them up. If um, if there was some point later in your life where you would say your faith became your own and 98 percent of the hands stay up. Hmm. So they profess Christ at a young age. But then there was there was another time when they would say. It, it really is my own. And it varies really, I would say 13 to, you know, 25 or something like that mm. in terms of that age. And so to me, <laughs> what that informs parents of young children is to say, if my child professes Christ and just genuinely seems to have a changed heart to rejoice in that, but also know that later there's there's going to have doubts, there's going to be trials. Um, and I just need to shepherd them through that. On the other side, it, it says, well, if I'm worried, back to your question now, I'm worried that my, you know, 13, 14 year old is not displaying a changed heart, a heart that loves the Lord. I mean, this is this is where, you know, we're praying that God is going to bring trials into his or her life so that they will cry out to him. You know, one of the things we we told our kids was um, and not out of malice, um, out of love, but we said, we're going to pray that any secret sin that's in there comes out that, you know, because you want to, you'd rather your, your uh, eight-year-old uh, find, you'd find out that your eight-year-old's stealing than your 18-year-old, you know, because mm-hmm. so you'd like to deal with it when they're children. And so in a similar way, I think in the teen years, some of these, we can have a crisis that makes us as parents just want to crawl under um, just, you know, just, <laughs> just get out of the scene because it's so embarrassing. But yet it's also a, a, a time of grace where um, w- w- their sin that's always been in there now comes out and you have a chance to challenge them and say, um, you know, are you really a Christian? Are you really a believer? Mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> the teen years are especially given this, this, some of the lies swirling around today, Christians, um, uh, are seen, especially in, in the northern part of our country, seen as bigoted, mean. And so part of what we want to do is just walk before the Lord in our house, uh, loving the Lord, pointing them to Jesus and our focus on Jesus as well. So um, 
And then if, if they're reaching 20s and they're still, they're, you know, we're still not sure. I think you want to you want to keep pressing into the relationship, love them, accept them, and then also shepherd them, pastor them. Say, tell me what's going on in your heart. Tell me you you know these things. Tell me, did is there a reason you're not you know following the Lord? Um, this is this is this is the I don't want to say it this, but it's the good life. This is the flourishing life. I want you to flourish. Uh, Jesus said in John ten ten. That uh, that he's come to give abundant life. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm. So continuing on that conversation, the, you know, their life isn't over. Their story hasn't been hasn't been written, and so, um, you know, we can keep praying and pressing in and loving them. Excellent. And I imagine in in that process, you know, when when teens are really struggling and young people are really struggling with issues related to faith, I think a lot of times what we discover in those moments too is is uh, you know, just some areas of doubt that they might be wrestling with. And so, h- how do you um, how do you advise parents to handle moments like that where they may discover that their child is dealing with? Certain areas of doubt. How can how can that be wisely addressed or discussed in the home? Yeah, I would I would going back to this under this this understanding of learning and becoming convinced. I would rejoice because I mean, we, when their baby teeth fall out, we don't freak out and say, "Oh, what's going on?" We say, "Oh, they're become, they're going from a child to an adult." So, in a similar way, questions to me sh- show that our children are thinking and then and then especially if they're discussing them with us that's an even better sign um i mean matthew 28 with jesus the the resurrected jesus is appearing and scripture says and some doubted like they're seeing the resurrected jesus right in front of them and 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 scripture records honestly some doubted and so so to me i you know i talk about this in the uh in the disciple making parent, I got two chapters, one of uh, doubting the truth of Christianity and doubting the goodness of Christianity. And those are the, those are the same temptations that the devil uh, presented to Adam and Eve. Did God really say, so that's truth. And then secondly, he knows you will be like him. Uh, he's, he's not good. He's withholding something from you that would really enhance your life. Um, and so that's that's attacking the goodness of God. And those are the same temptations our children are facing, the truthfulness of Christianity. I have a series called Seven Questions Everyone Should Answer, just really on about um, Jesus. I call it Jesus apologetics. Um, is Jesus who he said he is? And there's it, there's good information. In fact, it takes I would say it takes more faith to be an atheist than to be a Christian. Um, but having said that, I realize our kids are growing up in an area in a time increasingly hostile to Christianity. Media is pumping out all sort of negative images about Christians. Um, and so it's easy to be confused and say, uh, is our Christians good people? Uh, do I want to follow? Um, do I want to identify with becoming, with becoming a Christian? Um, so those are times I think to dig deep into that, become conversant yourself with apologetics. That's the, that's what we're talking about. The, the reasons for the faith mm-hmm. and not only um, not only uh, the truth of Christianity, which is kind of the way I'm wired, but also the goodness of Christianity. Um, and that gets into 
reasons not to live together before marriage, reasons to, to save uh, physical intimacy for marriage. On one level, it's because God said, but on the other level, God said it, it's the way we're created. It, it is, it, it is the blessed life. And we could just go into all the reasons that breaking God's commands eventually result in destruction. You know, just talking about, um, you know, Jesus tells the story about the man who builds his house on the rock and the sand. I, I, this is me adding to the story, but I think there's a time gap there. So both men build their houses and both are standing, but the guy who built on the beach, he's got the better house, but then the storm comes, you know, then the storm comes and you see, no, this is, this is not the better house. So it's just telling our kids, you know, trust not only is, is following Jesus true. It's, it's also, um, it's also, it's also good for your, for your life. Love it. Well, chap, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. And I wonder if someone's really connected with some of the information that you've been sharing with us today about discipling your children, where could they get in touch with you and where can they find out about some of the other resources that you've been putting together? Yeah, so the, the Disciple Making Parent, just or you can Google Google my name, Chap Bettis, or the DiscipleMakingParent.com really has all our, our uh, resources. We've got the Disciple Making Parent, how to purchase that. We're actually um, uh, giving away the audiobook for free. So if you will use the contact form, say that uh, you heard me on the, on the famous John Stange uh, podcast, then, uh, we'll, we'll send you the, we'll send you the audio, uh, book for free. Um, there's also the resources there. Um, uh, we have something, uh, resource overcoming anger, um, parenting, um, with patience, and then also parenting with confidence, which are just foundational small group videos, uh, series to, to help parents. So yeah, the disciple making parent.com love to hear from you. Excellent. So be sure to take advantage of that. Be sure to get that audio book in particular uh, at the disciplemakingparent.com and check out what else CHAP has available on the website. If you're in the process of raising young children and older children and your desire is that, that they grow in their walk with the Lord, you want some godly kids and, and you, you really, really want to help them uh, navigate some of the difficult waters of what it's like to live in this world and yet remain faithful to Christ. Uh, these are great resources. And CHAP, we really appreciate you taking out time for our listeners today and also just the ways in which you have been in the trenches and have dedicated this season of your life to helping other parents as they try to raise their children to know Jesus. That's a valuable pursuit, and we're better for it. So thank you so much for that contribution that you're making into the lives of other people. Well, thank you, John. It was a pleasure to be on your show. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.